On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to talk about who got better, who stayed the same, and who regressed on this Thunder roster doing some stock watch on today's show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod, and you can even text the show. Yes, you can send a text message to the show by texting 405 405- nine, six, three, two, three, five, six, sign up for our subtext where you can uh, give out questions. You can get behind the scenes content and just have a direct line to the show. Talking thunder all of the time. So a lot to get to today. We're going to start with our stock watch to give you the up down report on who's trending upward, who's trending downward. We'll do that for every single player on the roster. So that's going to be a lot of fun. On today's show, thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. And for you everydayers, we're going to react to Sam Presti's press conference on Friday. And then next week, next week kicks off our prospect profile and projections. That's right. We're five days a week, even in the off season. So it's going to be a lot of fun to start that project next week through the draft and for agency and everything's everything's heating up. So make sure that you stay right here on Lockdown Thunder. Let's start the stock watch with SGA. He's the easiest stock watch there is. There's nowhere to go but up with SGA stock. You should be buying SGA stock, although I know that like in a real stock market, you probably couldn't buy SGA stock. Like it'd probably be too pricey uh, to buy, but nonetheless, he is trending up for sure. This is a guy who took a leap this season into being a first-time All-Star. Didn't stop there, though. He's going to make first-team All-NBA. He's going to be in the top 10 of MVP voting. He's going to be someone who was one of the best players in the league, averaging 31 points a game. Like Flatly was one of the best players in the league this year. He's a player who gets better year over year, and we've seen that happen. And, and until we don't see that happen, you can pretty much bank on him getting better year over year. He's only 25 years old. I cannot wait to see what his main focus will be this offseason. It was clear that last offseason he worked a lot on his off-balance shots and he worked a lot going inside uh, every video that we saw of SGA he was doing some weird weird balancing act on medicine balls lifting weights and just stuff that looked incredibly dangerous unless you're an elite athlete like SGA is uh, and in this season and last off season two he, he worked on defense and, and just kind of had that motor to play on both ends which is a credit to what he did in the summertime to prepare himself to play on both ends and then this year he graded out as an elite defender and an excellent defender according to Synergy. He was awesome defensively both with the eye test 
in with the numbers. And he has the frame. He has the ability to continue that. And this summer, the glaring question mark is, can he improve from beyond the arc? That's like the only thing he's missing in his game. The thing is, he's missing that three-point line while still scoring 31 points per game. So it won't necessarily, like, take him a, a leap in, like, the points per game category. Like, adding a three-point shot isn't going to make him score 37 points a game, but it just makes it well-rounded and and more rounded of a 31 points to where you truly cannot cut him off anywhere. You, you can't, you just cannot defend him even more than it's already impossible to defend him right now. And I think that his life gets easier, too, as you add Chet Holmgren back. So, like, everything about SGA season is not only repeatable, but there are certain aspects of it where you have Chet Holmgren, where you have whoever gets drafted in the top 12, you have Jada progressing, you have Josh Giddey progressing, you have SGA himself progressing, to where it's not only able to be sustained, but it's able to be sustained easier than it was this year. Life gets easier for SGA uh, here next year and the years beyond that. In the second year of his max contract next year, going to be getting paid uh, $35 million, almost 36, you know, 35.8. A uh, good gig if you can get it, if you can be an elite athlete like SGA. A great, great payday for him. And this team should really be a, a really quality team in the West. Now, they're, they're still going to be variables because you're depending on a rookie in Chet Holmgren to to... to not only catch up with what he's missed in terms of like getting back into the groove of NBA basketball, but also learning NBA basketball for the first time on the court. Uh, so it'll be a, a learning curve, I think, at times. But overall, this team should be in position next year to make the postseason and to get that experience under their belt, which they got a little bit of this year whenever they went to the play-in. So SGA stock is obviously going high. Let's go with Lou Dort. Lou Dort is second on the team in terms of uh, contract, and we're just going to go down the list in terms of their contracts. Ludor getting paid 15.2. I think that his stock, if you would have done this exercise two weeks ago, I think that his stock would be trending down. Uh, or three weeks ago, whatever was before that Kawhi game. So then he had the Kawhi game where he didn't let Kawhi get a shot off at all. Uh, and then he had the 30-point game in the in the Pelicans game, 27 points, whatever it was. We'll call it 30 points to, to make it sound better. A 30-point game against the against the Pelicans where he knocked down four or five triples and, and played, of course, as good of defense as you can on Brandon Ingram, especially considering the size disparity. I think that his stock right now is trending up from what it was two weeks ago, but on the overall big picture preseason to now, I think that it's still down a bit where you can buy in right now. And I would buy Ludort stock. If we're going to look at this as a true stock market, you know, Shea's stock would be too high to, to jump in. But I think Lou Dort stock is in the sweet spot. What is, whatever that term is called in the, in the real stock market, he's in the sweet spot of it's going to take off, I think, but it's low enough now to get in while some people already do own the stock and already see the vision. But I think that with Lou Dort, you have a player who's self-aware of what he needs to get better at in terms of he needs to be better efficient uh, as an efficient scorer. You have a player who has the pathway to get better, both from his own acknowledgement, but also in the role he'll be playing next year compared to this year, where his role next year, he won't have to take on that burden of being aggressive. Like Lou Dort, I think, does a lot of this initiating and a lot of this aggressive offensive play because no one else is comfortable besides Shea taking on that load most nights. 
And so next year, as J, as J-Dub gets more comfortable offensively, as, as even Josh Giddy gets more comfortable as a scorer, and of course, adding in Chet Holmgren, you continue to push him further down the ladder, and that only elevates his game. And that puts him in position to take more of the shots he's actually good at, like, like those corner threes that he's been actually good his entire career on shooting corner threes. So I think that there's a pathway here where Lou Dort, you know, maybe not statistically, because I, you know, you'd have to really dive into the numbers. Like Lou Dort, from the eye test perspective, has the best year of his career next year because he's in the best environment of his career, not counting that bubble team because he was a rookie on a two-way deal, couldn't even practice with the team until the bubble. So like, uh, you know, th- that was a good environment for him, but like, it's not this, it's not this environment where you're, where you're kind of not only gelled with the team, but also uh, in a good environment uh, around you, as we mentioned with the Chet and J-Dub and the rest of the team. So I, I would buy stock in Lou Dor. I think it's, it's halfway trending up, but on the overall big picture from like where it started in the preseason and after the contract was signed, until now, I think that it's dipped a little bit, which is the perfect time to buy and see it get raised back up. So coming up, we'll do Chet Holmgren, Josh Giddy, Kenny Hustle, Pokashevsky, and everyone else on this roster. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at eBay Motors. Folks, build your vision part by part over there at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time that you need parts and accessories, head on over right now to uh, eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can get every part that you need to fit right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the price check to know the part will fit or your money back guaranteed because... It's like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. And when you shop on eBay Motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be right back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right price on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day, every single morning. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. And folks, we're doing our Stock Watch episode right now, heading into the offseason. Whose stock is on the rise? Whose stock is not doing so hot? and whose stock is somewhere in between. A lot of fun stuff ahead on the show. For tomorrow's show, we'll talk Sam Presti's presser next week. We'll start our draft profile and projections and do a mailbag podcast next week as well. So make sure that you head on over to the comment section on YouTube, leave your question, and on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Let's continue with our Stock Watch episode and go to Chet Holmgren. I think that Chet Holmgren's stock is actually rising because I, th- I think that right now, from where it was in October, it's really easy to talk yourself into this actually being a good thing for Chet Holmgren in the sense of his, as long as he doesn't get, get hurt again, obviously, his long-term um, ability to impact a team right away. Because now he's had a whole season to sit and digest NBA concepts, digest NBA defenses, schemes, 
everything like that. He's been lifting, he's been working out, and now he has another summer to actually go five-on-five, as he said at the exit interview, that he'll be doing that pretty soon. So now he'll have a whole offseason to progress after learning the NBA game from a really good coaching staff and from really good players, watching them, learning from them. You can tell how vocal he is. You can tell how much that he tries to be a sponge and he tries to absorb all this information. And he goes into next year now without that same level of pressure. Still a ton of pressure. You're the second overall pick. Don't get me wrong. But let's put ourselves back where we were in October. In October, the question was, can Shea be a number one guy? Can Chet rejuvenize the, the, the franchise? Can he be the face of the franchise? Can he be this, this franchise-changing generational talent? Like, that was the question way back then. We didn't know that Shea would be this. We didn't know that Josh Giddy would take a year to step in, 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 as good as he did. We didn't know that SGA would, would firmly prove himself as a number one option on this team. Let's not do revisionist history. We did not know any of that back in October. We had predictions, but we did not know any of that stuff. And that was what was on the table for Chet Holmgren. That was a level of pressure for Chet Holmgren to be such a huge riser. And they took that rise from 24 wins to 40 while Chet Holmgren was sitting on the bench. And so now we're much more confident in what J-Dub can be. We're much more confident in what Josh Giddy can be. And we are now sure of what SGA can be. And so having all those questions answered, we're not going to look at a season from Chet where he just fits in as a red flag. Like if he just comes in, fits in, plays his role, protects the rim, gets some rebounds, hits some shots, you know, and, and does not um, overdo it, so to say. That's no longer going to be viewed as a failure or a red flag or or cause for panic. That's going to be him doing his job and him um, fitting the way you want him to. And so from that aspect, you see the pressure that's been taken off of him a little bit from this season. His stock is on the rise, even though he has not stepped on a basketball court yet. But I think also just just seeing the way that he talks and, and and the way the guys talk about him and the stuff he says in interviews and on his YouTube channel and everything else and, and the confidence that he has, he's not going to let this shake him. He's not going to let this deter him. And so I have full faith that he's going to be able to reach that ceiling, which we talked about it all week with Mavs draft and, and on Monday of what the expectations were for him and the ceiling was for him this time last year. I think he can still fulfill that even while um, missing his first year. And so he'll be a rookie next year. The, the, the rookie of the year race might be incredible between Chet and, and Wimbanyana, but I don't think that, I, I think that next year, Victor has all the votes like the day of draft draft night. Like draft night, the media will submit who the rookie of the year is. Not even going to watch the season and just vote for Victor. And it's probably going to be right. So uh, that's going to be an uphill battle nonetheless. But still, uh, Chet will be in a much better position, I think, than he would have been in October. Not to say he'd be in a bad position in October, but still, you know, it, it's gotten better, not worse. And, and that's always good. Like it could have, it could have gone the other way where like Usman Jang was, you know, a player that looked like a project, which he did this year. J-Dub, you know, didn't look like a future all-star. Josh Giddy stayed the relative same instead of making the leap that he made. And then we still have those questions about SGA and then things get really tough. And then, and then you're looking at your number two overall pick who's already missed the season and things are compounding and worries are piling up. Like it could have gone that way pretty easily, but instead, because the rest of the team stood up, it didn't go that way. And it's able to take some of that pressure off of Chet and he can just go play. And if you let someone like that go play, who has that confidence, who has that skill set, then you're going to be in pretty good shape uh, for the, for the next season and beyond. So I'm pretty excited about that for Oklahoma city and for this team. Josh Giddy is our next player. Folks, Josh Giddy had a really good season. And I think that it's easy to, to get lost in it because, 
you know, even though he's only 20 years old, for those of you that stuck around last year and have watched this year, he's kind of already the the uh, old hat, so to say. You've gotten overwhelmed with what j can be. You've gotten overwhelmed with the new addition of Isaiah Joe. Uh, but Josh Giddey's step up this year should not be, you know, discounted from 41% from the floor to 48% from the floor. From beyond the arc, uh, he improved 26% to 32%. Like He made the leaps that we were begging him to make. From 12 points a game to, to 16 points a game, he he went he stayed the same at seven rebounds a game, stayed the same at six assists per game, which is incredible for a guy his age. Like he did exactly what we wanted him to do in terms of in terms of elevating his shot, and he did that in half an off season of work with Chip England. So he's going to get a whole off season now with Chip England. Like that level of 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 leap. If I told you that was going to happen in October, you'd say, "Well, you're just." You're just being a silly fan because that stuff never happens. Those those big leaps don't happen in that way. So I, I think that it's important to, to note that he did exactly what we wanted him to do at 20 years old. And he's still just 20 years old. That's that's how impressive it is with Josh Kitty. Kenny Hustle. This is a guy that's like legit. Like in and like he's legit through and through. He went from stock watch going up on Giddy and going up on, on Kenny hustle. He went from like, yeah, he's a fine role player, but can he keep this up? Like, can he keep playing at this level? Cause his first year in Oklahoma city, everyone shot the ball crazily good because it, there was no fans in the stands and the sightlines were different. And he shot 44% from beyond the arc. And then last year, you know, he shot 34% from three and it came back down a little bit. And then this year he thought he shot 37% from three, uh, albeit on uh, on 2.4 attempts and, and only in 53 games because he got hurt. But this year he showed such a well-rounded game and the versatility to play one through five, I mean, not one through five, but like you know three through five for, for Kendrick Williams. That versatility was huge and the leadership aspect was huge. He might not be like a rah-rah guy. You might not see him on the bench just screaming up a storm whenever he was out, but you could tell that the players respected him so much night in and night out whenever he would go out there and give his energy that he could rise the tide on the floor. He might not do it off the floor in, in the public eye, but off the floor in the locker room and at practices, he does that. And, and then, of course, in the games, we've seen him with our own eyes do it. And he's a guy who genuinely wants to be here publicly and privately. I can I can tell you, privately, he really wants to be here just as much as publicly. And, and he's no longer, I don't think, viewed as a guy that Sam Presti will flip for a first-round pick and, and trade at the deadline. Like, he's a guy that sets the tone. And, and Mark has told many stories. The one that sticks with me was whenever Mark was asked, you know, how's this team never had a COVID outbreak? And he said, because we do things the right way and, and, and it's, it's hard. You're getting tested every day. You're, um, you know, you're getting tested every single day. You are um, having to go through those, those protocols. But if we had a guy that wasn't doing the right thing, Kendrick Williams would, would grab him by the shirt collar. And, and so that story has, has stuck with me this entire time from Mark um, a, a, about, about that and, and about what Kendrick does behind the scenes. So he showed it on the floor again. It's still trending up and he's going to be the veteran. He, he's going to be, uh, the guy that, 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 that is called upon uh, to lead in those ways. Now, Pokashevsky, his stock is trending down because of the injury, but I think he had a much better year than, than he's going to give given credit for. Like, I think that he had a much better year than we're going to remember, so to say. Because before the injury, he looked like a rotational player. Like, he was a good connector of the offense. He was He was battling defensively and getting more aggressive on that end. Um, more assertive on that end, uh, game by game. Like he looked like Mark told us he looked like back in training camp. Mark said that 
you know, Poku, if he was dropped in by aliens, you wouldn't believe it was Poku if you, you know, if you didn't know who he was. And he looked that way and then he got hurt and he never looked the same again. Can he get back to that player? And the sand is kind of dwindling through the hourglass. He's extension eligible this summer. Um, who knows if they're going to lock him up on a team friendly number or just let him play it out. Uh, but Sam Presti typically does not let guys hit restricted free agency. So if they don't resign him this off summer, you know, I should say extend him this off summer, uh, things would really not be looking good for, for Poku. So overall, I'm going to say it's trending downward, but you might want to buy low on Poku because of what he looked like pre-injury. Usman Jang. I think that it's, again, a buy low case. It's not that he's going up or down. He looked exactly as we expected. He, he showed flashes of really good defense. He showed flashes of uh, nice offensive play and aggressive play. He also showed flashes where he was just going up and down the floor and just floating around and not really even a thought on the floor on either side of the ball. He showed flashes of both of those things at both levels, the NBA and the G league. He also got hurt. He got hurt in the summer league. He got hurt in the regular season. He also had had to deal with all of that as well. So I don't think he's going up or down. I think he's just middling right now. And you're just seeing which direction will this take? It's going to be teetering on either trending up or trending down. And it comes down to your belief in him. Like I, I don't think that he did anything in this season to change your belief that you had on him a year ago. Like whenever the draft happened a year ago, whatever you thought he could be is still on the table, both good and bad. And so we'll see how that continues to go and spiral um, the next couple of the next couple of uh, seasons. And and this summer league will be a big test for him because he's going to have a long runway. And one of the last times he has a huge runway um, to, to kind of uh, show what he can do. So that's going to be huge as well, uh, because from here on out, you're going to be finding minutes for him. You're going to be finding the ways to play him. Obviously this rotation will still go 10, 11, 12 guys deep next year, but he's going to be on the court with other guys where you're going to defer to them in any lineup that gets thrown out there. So summer league will pretty much be all about, all about Usman Jang. So like, what can he do with that opportunity in summer league? That's going to be fascinating to watch. But right now I would say Usman Jang is just kind of middling right now. J-Dub. J-Dub is obviously trending up. J-Dub has all-star potential. He has a, the potential of a player who can be a multi-time all-star. Like, I don't know if he's ever going to get there. We've talked about how the politics work in the all-star voting and, and how Shea has played at that level a couple of times and not gotten in. Mike Conley didn't get an all-star game until you know three years ago. It was his first ever time, and we know how good Mike Conley was You know, way back with uh, going back to Memphis and, and Utah, and, and he even is playing well right now with Minnesota. So you know, will he ever make an all-star game, especially whenever he's battling with his own teammates like, like SGA, like Chet, like Giddy, like everyone else who's going to be you know that good? Who knows if he makes an all-star game, but he will be an all-star caliber player. Like I think that that's for certain uh, in, a, in the next couple of seasons. The efficiency is great. He's trending up. And the only thing you really look for with him is can he balance the aggression with the efficiency? I know you want to be efficient. I know you want to do everything perfectly, make the right reads, do everything. But there's some times where you have to take over a game. And I think that you saw him start to learn that as the season progressed. And, and Mark has talked about bringing him up to that level of being aggressive and bringing Lou Dort back down to the level of fitting in. And like, those are two guys he used as an example publicly um, about this aspect. So like, as he learns that, can he still stay aggressive? Can he still stay efficient? The efficiency is going to have to dip off with aggression, you would think. Uh, but how far is the dip, I would say, uh, is the question. But J-Dub, trending up for sure. Coming up, let's talk about Trey Mann. Jay Will, Isaiah Joe, Lindy Waters, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Aaron Wiggins, and the two two ways all coming up.
We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Folks, subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. We'll be recapping Sam Pressy's presser tomorrow. Also, make sure you follow me on Twitter, um, at Ryland underscore Styles. So we're talking Trey Mann. Trey Mann's stock is plummeting. It is almost on the floor, as is Jeremiah Robinson Earls. And these are two guys who I think showed a lot of promise as a rookie. And then the internal competition, which Mark and Sam have stressed over the last year of we want to build a team that has a ton of internal competition and see who survives. And, and they've both uh, used the, the the paraphrase of, you know, these guys are going to be fighting to be the 17 guys that, that make it through this. And, and some of them aren't going to be. And, and, and these are two guys that don't look like they will be. It's not over yet, I don't think, but but it's getting dark early, if you know what I mean. The sun is setting on these two guys because they've just lost out. Like Jeremiah Robson for example, let's take him first. I said on draft night, drafting J-Will is redundant. You, you cannot roster both J-Will and Jeremiah Robinson Earl long-term. And so it's going to be a battle. Who, who rises to the occasion? And so far, Jay Will checks more boxes than Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Now, will that be the case next year? Who knows? We thought Jeremiah Robinson Earl would be a massive uh, you know, rotational big for a long time, and then he quickly faded. It's so, like, who knows what's going to happen next year? But for this immediate future of like what we just saw this season, Jay Will is miles ahead of Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Another guy who did not look the same after an injury like Pokoshevsky. But nonetheless, I think that you you would lean Jay Will in the argument of you need to keep one of them. Who are you going to keep? you would lean J-Will. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl has a non-guaranteed contract this year with a team option next year to where you can get out from underneath that contract if you need the roster spot for little to nothing. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What's the decision to be made there? His stock is fully down, even though that I love Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I love Trey Mann, but like their stock is down. With Trey Mann, it just comes down to, I think he improved defensively from where he was. But he, he can't make shots, and you need him to make shots. Like, that's his value. It, it's like Lindy Waters, who I think stock is trending a tiny bit up for Lindy Waters, but Lindy Waters is a shooter in theory. Like, he's he you you brand him as a sharpshooter. If I ask you what comes to mind in, in the positive category about Lindy Waters, you would say his shooting. He shot 35%. He's a league average shooter who misses a lot of open looks, who misses a lot of big-time shots. He's a shooter in theory. Now, he's improved dramatically defensively, and he's now a plus defender, especially as a help defender. But it's not enough if you're not going to shoot the ball well. Here's what I'll say about Lindy Waters. Do you trust that he'll make the same leap as a shooter that he made as a defender? Because if he does make the same level of leap as a shooter from beyond the arc as he did as a defender in one offseason, well, then he becomes a really good NBA player for rotational, for rotational pieces as far as that goes. So his stock's going a little bit upward because he did survive and be in their playoff rotation and he did improve defensively, but I would stay away. I wouldn't buy Lindy Waters' stock. It's just going a little bit in the right direction and we'll see if it maintains that or not. Uh, but Jay Will's stock's going down. Man's stock's going down. Lindy Waters' stock's going a little bit a little bit up. And then we have the three no-brainers. Jay Will, Isaiah Joe, Wiggins. No-brainer. They're all three going up. For Jay Will, he just showed to you he can stay on the floor in a postseason environment. And I think that what he showed you this last week 
is so important when you bottle it up and say, look, thank you for your service, but you're not a starting center in this league. You're not going to be a starting big man in this league. But if you can give that same level of production off the bench in, in 10 to 15 minute spurts, you know, in the sense of like in 10 or 15 minutes a game, well, then your value gets even more exponential and even more off the charts because we're only asking you to do it for 15 minutes a game and you're just going to get us through to whenever we can get Chet back in there and you guys can operate as this big, as this big one-two punch instead of being leaned on so heavily. And so I think that that, that, that actually improves and is a, is a point in the, in the column for Jay will uh, that he played so well, stay on the floor so well, and you're not going to need him to do that more often than not. And when, when you don't need him to do that, he's going to now be playing against backup bigs instead of starting level bigs. And I think that you've seen each matchup where he's gotten, he's gotten, you know, a big, right? Like, like two times in a row. Like he played Embiid, then a few weeks later played Embiid. And, and when he gets those kind of matchups where he gets to see the same big a couple times, he does adjust and he does play better and he, and he does improve upon the first time seeing that big. So that is a huge boost for Jay Will as well. I love what Jay Will can bring. Isaiah Joe, what's there more to say? You have to keep Isaiah Joe because of what he can do beyond the arc, what he can do as a cutter and a rim finisher, and he's actually a good defender. For what he brings you offensively, for what he brings you offensively, you can't play him off the floor, even in the half-court set, even with pick-and-roll hunting mismatches. He can stay attached to your hip, he can be a pest, and he's just all over you. So Isaiah Joe, massive pickup, and those are the kind of things that, that allow you to win basketball games is whenever you find pickups like Isaiah Joe, who's on a league minimum deal for the next two years. League minimum, just just for free pretty much. You can't get freer than this, than league minimum. And he gives you that kind of value. Winning on the margins there allow you to go make other moves that help you put this roster over the top. So it, it, it's massive what, what Isaiah Joe has done. His stock is obviously on the climb. And then Wiggins. Wiggins can score at all three levels, can score in transition, can, can defend one through five at a, at a, at least an okay level, if not a really, 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 really good level. Like, you know, the varying ranges of one through five, like Wiggins is awesome. And as we mentioned with the J-Will, with Wiggins, if you move a guy of his value and reduce his minutes to 10 to 15 a game, but that's a heck of a 10 to 15 per game spurt, and then you get it back to your starters, you've really found something there. Another guy on the minimum, he's not, Wiggins, unlike Joe, Wiggins will not be paid $2 million over the next two years in the sense of he gets paid 1.8 next year and 1.9 the following year. And he is that kind of player that we all saw. Lastly, with the two-way deals, Jared Butler and Olivier Saar. Saar is trending down for me. Just, I mean, I like him. He's, he's a nice guy, but I just don't see his role in the NBA. I think he's a really good G League player, though. And it's great for the blue. But in the NBA, I don't see his value. Jared Butler, I think, is a guy that is trending up because I think that you should put him on a two-way deal next year whenever you have three slots available to you because of just the chance that this 23-year-old who was once thought of it so highly figures it out. So we'll see. We'll see what they do with their three two-way slots. But here's the problem and why and why I would realistically, even though I love Jared Butler, would say that they're both trending down is with two-way deals, you're not only going to get guys from the G League that are already in the G League this year that, that you're going to evaluate, but you're also going to get guys that went undrafted in this upcoming draft who might be more appealing of like taking a flyer on them. So we'll, it's just kind of a shaky market 
to, to try to predict. But I, I, I would be, I would be a little surprised, like not, not jaw drop surprised, but, but a little, hmm, you know, if I, if we get to, to October and the three two way slots are full and Jared Butler isn't one of them, we get that that roster sent to us on media day and I don't see my King Jared Butler. I'm not going to cause a ruckus, but I'm going to go, hmm, hmm. Okay. Okay. That's all. It's a little surprise. I'm not going to cause a riot, but I'm okay. No, no, not one of the three, not one of the three. Now that'll be the, that'll be the reaction to that. So take that for how you will in terms of up and down on the stock report, but thank you all for joining us today. Unlocked on thunder. Tell us which players are trending up and down in your opinion on your stock watch uh, portfolio. And tomorrow we'll recap the Sam Presti's presser. And the next week, you know, it's time for draft profile and projections for draft prospects, plus a mailbag episode. So stay tuned for that as well. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.